0: Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash hard things and use code HARDTHINGS for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash hard things and use code hard things at checkout. Think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby.
1: It's match. That's
0: right. So download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to We Can Do Hard Things. Sister and Abby and I, are welcoming back to the pod today, one of our favorite people to talk to in the whole world. And I think she might be one of the whole world's favorite people to listen to because, (laughs) uh, well, let's just see. Her name, you may have heard of her, is Dr. Brene Brown. Dr. Brene Brown is a research professor at the University of Houston, where she holds the Huffington Foundation Endowed Chair at the Graduate College of Social Work. She has spent the past two decades studying courage, vulnerability, shame, and empathy, is the author of six number one New York Times bestsellers, and is the host of the weekly podcasts, Unlocking Us and Dare to Lead. Brene's books have been translated into more than 30 languages and titles, including Dare to Lead, Braving the Wilderness, Rising Strong, Daring Greatly, and the Gifts of Imperfection. Most recently, Brene collaborated with The Tarana Burke to co-edit You Are Your Best Thing, Vulnerability, Shame, Resilience, and the Black Experience. In her latest number one New York Times bestseller, Atlas of the Heart, which has been adapted for television and is now streaming on HBO Max, so good, she takes us on a journey through 87 of the emotions and experiences that define what it means to be human. Brene lives in Houston, Texas with her husband, Steve. They have two children, Ellen and Charlie. Today, her new series, Atlas of the Heart, launches on HBO Max. We have already seen it, so we now are smarter than you. (laughs) 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 But soon, you will catch up. It's so freaking good. Brene, thank you for being here. Thank you for the gift of this series. You've done it again.
2: Oh, man. Thank you. Um, This is so scary for me. What is? Yeah. I and I like to do hard things, mm-hmm. as you know. Like if it's and, and and to a fault. Like if it's not hard, I'm like, should I even be doing it? Like even <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah. Yeah. But um, this feels scary. This is cause I'm out of my medium. Mm. Uh, you know, like this is weird. You don't
0: seem out of your medium when you do it. I'm just telling you. Like yeah. it feels so natural. It feels so good. It feels like being in a room with you. It feels like talking to you like a friend. I've been thinking about something I think that you said either in the first or second episode, which feels to me like really one of the many beautiful things about the Alice of the Heart Project, whether it's the book or the series, which is this idea that we all want to connect with each other. That's one of our deepest needs, but that we can only connect to other people in direct proportion to how connected we are with ourselves.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that, and so, and, and and that is kind of a thesis of this, all of this work, which that you're doing, which is that the more we can identify and communicate our emotions, the more grounded in ourselves we are and the stickier we can be with other people. Damn, right. So good. Yes. And I think I've been thinking about it in terms of why are my relationships getting so much better as I get older? why is my second marriage so much freaking better than my first marriage? And it's not because, well, it's because, it's because of people. Okay. It might have something to do with me. For sure. A little bit. For sure. But, but listening to Brene, when I watch Atlas of the Heart, I think, I just have been thinking lately. It's also because I am more grounded in who I am. Yeah. Mm. So I can communicate. It's not just like insert better person and relationships are going to be better right? Yeah. So can you talk to us about what the hell does that mean? Because we do talk about, you know, people say, do you have to love yourself before you love someone else? What do you mean when you say we must be connected
2: to ourselves before we can even begin to connect with other people? God, you just went straight for like the heart of the whole thing. And I, I have to tell you that Atlas I really did not think I was going to survive writing this book. I did not think this book was going to happen almost to the very end. And I always think about Elizabeth Gilbert, who writes about how much how great the creative process is for her. (laughs) I am not that person. (laughs) I'm more, is it the Emily Dickinson quote? It's like, writing's easy. You just kind of cut yourself and bleed out on Mm -hmm. the page or Mm -hmm. something like that. That's Mm -hmm. how this felt. I think one of the hardest parts of this for me, first of all, the data set was huge. Um, So just wrestling that. But I think coming to grips with so many things that I got wrong Mm. over the years um, and thinking about not just, wow, as a social scientist, wow, I didn't get this right, which that's to me, that's fine. That's what science is. Um, there's a great quote that I include in the book um, It's when science changes its mind, it never lied to you. It just kept finding more and more data, you know? Mm. And so, but it was also how I raised my kids, how I reparented myself, how I engaged with Steve. And so I think one of the big things was, there were two big things and related. One is... What you're talking about, that the depth of connection we have with ourselves is the best predictor variable of how deeply we'll be able to connect with other people. Yeah. And I think the second part is, shit, for years, for 20 years, I've said, let's try to understand emotion. Let's try to recognize emotion in ourselves and others. And I am fully convinced now that we cannot recognize emotion in other people.
1: Wow.
2: Wait, yeah. Say more. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. And let me tell you, and it's not just me. It's like almost every, it's almost like a sentence that everyone who studies emotion just says like reflexively. Let's 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 understand emotion so we can, you know, in ourselves and others. And in doing this research, what I what I learned is it's such an attempt to hotwire connection. Like mm. when you steal a car, it's like a way to steal and hotwire connection is to pretend like I see Abby and she's visually emotional and her her head is in her hands. She may be crying a little bit. And to be able to think that I can read emotion in her and say, man, I know you look really sad, is a get-out-of-jail-free card for the actual work of saying, hey, what's going on? And Abby says back to me, you know, I read this comment online and it just pierced my heart directly. It was so hurtful. Normally I can blow that shit off, but this was just really hurtful. And then this is the hardest part of empathy that I I did not see anyone talking about in any of the literature until I wrote it in Atlas of the Heart is then the choice we have to make to believe people when what they're saying does not resonate with our lived experiences are what we need from that person. Mm. So I look at Abby and I think, and y'all know this, anyone that's ever met me knows that I, I totally love you and respect you and have to tamper down the fangirl in me. Anytime I talk to anybody, I'm like, seriously, Wolfpack changed my life. If you read oh. it, you need to point. Why are you not leaving from the bench? <laughs> like I, I just, the, this is just literally, as someone who studies research, i mean, you're 15, I've never in my life read a book better, more impactful leadership book than Wolfpack. Oh my God. No, so I so I have a lot of expectations of you. So maybe when you say this heart piercing thing hurt you without even thinking, I think to myself, fuck that Abby Wombat cannot, they stapled her head together. She cannot be affected by this stuff because that means I have to, you know, I'm like, yeah, you're probably just having an off day or, you know, fuck that stuff. It's not real. And then I choose to walk away from connection and care with you Mm. to control the image I need to have of you, to feel safer in my life. Or Amanda says, you know what? I put together this event. Took me a year and a half. We're in this room. I'm with all these, you know, big producer people. And they're shooting every question over to this guy who knows nothing about this event. And I'm crying because I'm so enraged right now that I'm trying to pull my shit together before I go back in there. And I go, "Uh, could you maybe be taking it too personally? Like, are you sure that's what's really happening in there? So if we back up from those examples with Amanda and Abby, I don't know myself well enough to take a breath and say yeah you think she's a badass and she's tough and she's an athletic hero but she's hurting right now and you need to keep you need to keep other focused not self focused right now what does abby need for you from you right now mm-hmm. and to say god those hurt sometimes don't they Mm -hmm. And when you least expect it, you read something and it's like, I'm really sorry. What does love look like right now for you?
0: What does love look like right now? I think about that when she, I'm thinking about the kids, Brene, every time the kids say to me something about how having two houses or, you know, the results of divorce are hard. Like, I will be like, well, Just this morning, you know, they have to go back and forth. It's like a really hard part of divorce. It is hard. Kids don't feel like they have, they're ever settled, you know? And I'm like, but I mean, you have two houses and like, we're only a block apart. And it's just like, I cannot, my need for you to think you have a good childhood. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of saying, what does love look like right now? Yeah, this must be really hard.
2: Hmm. And this gets to this gets to what's kind of overlooked, because I think the shiny part of Atlas of the Heart is kind of the 87 emotions. Um, but the real, to me, the really hardest part was the framework, and probably because it's complex, but the framework in the back of the book, I have... I started working on with my dissertation. So that was 20 years ago, 21 years ago. And I couldn't figure out, like, I mean, come on, fuck, Brene. It's a framework, a theory on meaningful connection. You study connection. You have a freaking three degrees in social work. All you study connection, bullshit. Like, come on. (laughs) And I couldn't get it for my dissertation. Like, I couldn't make it happen. And then when I wrote Daring Greatly, I told my editor, this back chapter is going to be this framework I'm working on. I couldn't do it. When I wrote, you know, Rising Strong, Braving the Wilderness, Dare to Lead, I told them every time, save this back thing. It's going to be at least 24 pages because you're going to have to do the four count. And, you know, and I couldn't do it. Hmm. Then when I was studying Atlas of the Heart, I came across this concept of near enemy. Mm -hmm. And I had heard this concept before, I think from maybe Kristen Neff or... One of the Buddhist thinkers mm-hmm. that writes about this that I study. And I was like, this is this is what's missing. Because if I see Amanda and she's rage crying about how people are treating her as the only woman in this room. And and I'm like, are you sure you're not being too sensitive? The far enemy of connection is disconnection. That's easy. Mm-hmm. We we know that. When I go, you know, suck it up. Are, are really that sounds tough and walk away. We know that we're like, oh wow, well, that's shit. That that felt bad, but I under I recognize that right there. That's like that's disconnection. But it's not the far enemy that unravels everything we're so desperate for in our relationships. It's the near enemy. It's that fucker that masquerades as connection,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but silently as we're trying to figure out why do I feel bloody and bruised? She said something nice or she tried to be helpful. That's the thing, the near enemy. And the fact that what emerged from the data is, it's a a weird concept, but let me give you an example of near enemy from someone who writes about it. So this is Chris Germer writing, this is his quote, near enemies are states that appear similar to the desired quality, but actually undermine it. Far enemies are the opposite of what we're trying to achieve. For example, a near enemy of loving kindness, a near enemy is sentimentality. It's similar, but it's different. A far enemy of loving kindness is ill will, the opposite. So one of the examples that they use, and I, I think this one is, would really resonate. This is from Jack Cornfield, who I love his work on near enemy talking about love. The near enemy of love is attachment. Attachment masquerades as love. It says, I will love this person because I need something from them. Mm. Or I will love you if you love me back. Mm. I'll love you, but only if you will be the way I want you to be. Mm. This isn't the fullness of love. Instead, there is attachment. There is clinging and fear. True love allows, honors, and appreciates attachment grasps demands needs and aims to possess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so what is what was so powerful about this this kind of Buddhist concept is the virtues that we're looking for. Drive connection where near enemies fuel separation. Mm. So Glennon, to use your example with your kids and the two houses, like, oh my God, I just do not want to be the subject of my kids' therapy. I want my kids to go into therapy and say, well, obviously my mom, Brene Brown, caused caused none of my issues, (laughs) Um, but that will not be the case. You know, they'll be like, my mom is Brene Brown. The therapist will be go, oh, fuck. How much time do we have? You know, like that's, <laughs> that's how that's going to work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. So when you say what you want to say is, but you have two homes, you know, and it's, you know, it's so great. And we're a block apart. The near enemy of connection is control. Yes, that's it. Yes, is control. And this works. This is what it means to be a grounded theory researcher and a social worker. So, as a social worker, you want to say a theory is really only good if you can apply it to a relationship between me and my child and the relationship between Trump and his followers. Mm. Like, it has to be have both micro and macro mm. relevance. You have to be able to use it to solve family systems, but also community systems. Cool. So if you look at politicians and you look at Trump and you're like, wow, he seems very connected to this group of people. I mean, these groups of people have all the stickers and all the stuff and all the paraphernalia and the artifacts (laughs) of group cohesion. It is that connection. But then you think, oh, wait, the near enemy of connection is control. It's not about meeting vulnerability with vulnerability. It's about leveraging vulnerability with power and control. Whoa.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
2: not about feeling emotion with people, it's about exploiting emotion, exploiting fear. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you your life does suck and you should be afraid and let me give you who you need to blame for that. Mm-hmm. The black folks, the immigrants, the women, the poor people. And so this whole idea of control It's just like if my kid comes home, one of my kids comes home and says, hey, I got in trouble today because I was talking while the teacher was talking. They said they were being, I was being disrespectful. And immediately I go, you need to march your ass upstairs and you need to send an email to this teacher. Apologize for being disrespectful. As opposed to connection, which is, God, that must have been really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just asking. If they had an extra pencil, I'm really sorry. What does, what does support look like for you right now? What can I do? I can listen. I can help. What does, no, just, just knowing that it's like, you know, mom, I'm not disrespectful in class and I know you're not. And I know it means a lot to you. So that had to have been really tough and maybe embarrassing. Yes. It was embarrassing, but it was just mostly, I just felt like I love this teacher You know, like control. Mm -hmm. Damn.
0: Pod squad. Some of what we share with you on the show are our individual unique experiences in therapy and the takeaways that help us grow, appreciate each other and navigate this beautiful life we're doing together. Thank you for doing it with us. But the things we talk about in therapy itself, these are things we wouldn't necessarily share with just anyone. I think there are a few things more important than finding the right person to share your deepest thoughts, feelings, and questions with, like a therapist. That's why we are thrilled about Alma's support of our show. They're big believers that you need the right someone to talk to, not just anyone, Alma helps you to find a therapist who gets you based on your needs, someone with whom you'll feel comfortable, heard, secure. Plus, and this shouldn't be overlooked, over 96% of therapists at Alma accept insurance because you want to pick someone based on the right fit, not just based on finances. You can browse their directory now. You don't even need to create an account. Visit helloalma.com dot com slash hard things to schedule a free consultation today that's hello a l m a dot com slash hard things
3: and what are you controlling in that situation Brene? because because what i would be controlling in that situation was my own embarrassment that i had a kid right that's
2: it so how you're perceived by a parent yes as a parent by a teacher yeah I want to be the parent who has the kid that's not disrespectful, that apologizes via email. You know, like that's—it's just how I'm seen. Mm-hmm. Everything around control really comes back to some level of fragility around our own worth. Mm-hmm. It's this is our the biggest
0: issue in our relationship.
2: Oh, until, good. I'm excited to about
0: Until I learn got about fixed. I, I, I'm <laughs> fixed now. I'm until- fixed I'm fixeder, I think. I was, I'm a very controlling person, Brené, which I oh. just always saw as good leadership skills in my other relationships. But at one point we figured out that, Abby said, it hurts my feelings when you try to control me because I respect you so much and I trust you. And when you oh. do this, it makes me know that you don't trust or respect me. And I had never thought of control as a lack of respect and trust, but it is because love and control, we only, we only
2: um, control the things we don't trust, right? Hold on just a second. I want to think about that for a okay. second. Say that, say that again. So when
0: I think about everything that I control, I made a list actually. It's in my journal about like the things that I just trust and the things that I control and everything in my life was on the control side. The reason I try to control my body through overexercising, through restriction, through all of that is because I actually on some level don't trust that my body's just going to do what it needs to do and be what it needs to be if I feed it. So Abby, why I'm saying like do you think you really should be laying on the couch? Like I just feel like there's a lot to do or do you think that you should say that in front of those people or do you think that it's cuz I'm not trusting that she knows what she should say and that she knows what she should do and she knows what she needs. If I'm saying to my children, but but like but but you have two houses and your parents get along so well and like isn't your life great? It's because yeah. I don't trust that they can form their own Opinions about their life. So, what do we love instead of control? Is my question. Yeah.
2: What does and it look I, like? Yes. And yeah. And I think it's interesting because I'm really thinking about this. Like, oof, it's hard. Yeah, and especially come out of COVID, hardest season in my marriage. Just so grateful we're still standing. You
1: mm-hmm.
2: know. um, Congratulations. Yeah. It's a big yeah. deal. I mean, I yeah. feel
3: like we, everyone needs to really acknowledge what a big ass deal it is to be standing
1: after mm-hmm.
2: this. It's It's been a lot. It's, it's so much. And then I had parents and kids stuff and it's like, oh, um, I want to think about this for a minute because Sometimes I wonder if the laying on the couch, because we've got a lot to do like does that resonates so painfully. So one of the things that was really helpful during COVID as we were trying to figure out, develop new skills for managing what felt like an unmanageable communication in, in our marriage was the Gottman's work. I think about how when I say something like that to Steve, he takes it as a real criticism. Mm-hmm. And this is the Gottman's. 90% accuracy predicting divorce, observing a couple for minutes. Wild. Yeah. Right. And looking so
1: for signs of contempt.
2: Contempt, right. So what we're so what they're looking for instead of criticism is I feel instead of being instead of saying to Steve, Hey, how much longer are you going to be napping? <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, this right? is so
2: good. <laughs> yeah. To say how I feel and ask for what something I need, like not I need you to get off your ass and stop napping, but Mm -hmm. like, so to say, I feel anxious about Charlie coming over with his friends after school, and I need to know that we'll carve out some time to get the kitchen ready and to clean out the garage. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to think to myself, is it about... Trust for me, or is it about fear and anxiety that I'm not managing and that I'm using control and criticism to manage my own fear and anxiety?
1: Mm -hmm. It's interesting.
2: I'm so invested in not being crazy or flighty or out of control that it's hard for me to say I'm feeling anxious. Can we talk about what time we're going to use to get something ready?
0: Mm.
2: So it's, it's easier. It's easier for me to say, fuck, are you still napping?
0: Yeah. Because mm-hmm. because claiming I'm feeling anxious is claiming this is my thing. This is my responsibility. Yes. As opposed to saying you are lazy. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and it's a double
3: responsibility. I mean, to be fair, if you already feel like you're the one who's thinking about Charlie coming after school. You're the one who knows that, like, at least according to your standards, X, Y, and Z need to be done by the time Charlie comes in so that you can be the type of family that welcomes Charlie's friends in this type of environment. So you're already holding that up. For sure. And then you have to remind the other person that that is the things that needs to be done, but you have to present it in a vulnerable way that talks about your fears surrounding what's going to happen instead of part of you wants to say, why aren't you worried about this? Why am I the only one carrying this worry right now?
2: Hmm. I mean, that, that, yeah. And so now it has to turn out to is like, let's say we're partners, man. And I say, Hey, I'm feeling anxious about the house being ready for Charlie and his friends. And what would be helpful for me is to just get level set expectations about what we think the house needs to look like and how much time we think we're going to spend doing that. Totally.
1: I think a lot of this has for sure a lot to do with communication. And early on in our marriage, we've talked about this on the podcast before, this idea of tickering, thinking about all of the things, the whole ecosystem of the family And this is when I actually used to sit on the couch a lot more because I didn't really have a job. I just (laughs) retired. And so it was kind of concerning for her. Also concerning for me at the time. I don't sit on the couch (laughs) nearly as much. But the truth is, is I wasn't a partner. I wasn't a a co-parent. A mental partner. A mental co-parent at the time. So now (sighs) Glennon will walk into the room and she'll say, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm tickering. And so I'm just thinking about the day and I'm thinking through every person in our family, their little small ecosystem, how it affects the bigger ecosystem. Mm. And especially because Glennon is oftentimes the the one who's working the most in this family. It's now my responsibility to make sure that I'm the one, you know, in in different seasons of our lives that that goes up and down if I'm on the road or Mm. whatever. But at the end of the day, I think that there has to be this understanding, a communication in a marriage Because I do think that we were struggling, we were kind of nitpicking on each other Mm -hmm. and it was about control and power. And I think at some point that shifted. And I think the shift really did come when I started to take on- Emotional labor. The emotional labor of our family. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is so possible for everybody involved. So many things in our lives change, but not our love for Viore clothing. I love this ad. We're so glad that they continue to support the show. It's true. Abby is obsessed with Viore. I am a little bit too. Do you think you have a favorite item? Ugh, they're t shirts. They never get less soft. They're just perfect for everything for going to dinner, for actively going for a walk, for working out, whatever you want to do. They're the best. Sleep in them.
0: You you wear them to work out and you wear them out to dinner. That is true.
1: I wear Viore tops. All day, every day. And you day. wear
0: them under suits and you wear them yes, to
1: bed. It's everything. Okay. I mean, I love them, but it's not easy to find clothes that look sleek and feel comfortable. I mean, I can use them everywhere and anywhere I go. Viori is an investment in your happiness. I promise you. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase, plus free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hard things. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash hard things. You won't be sorry.
3: So the two things you just said about Atlas, the huge things are if we're only able to connect with others to the capacity we connect with ourselves and also we have to avoid near enemy in our connection with others. Mm -hmm. What is the near enemy in terms of our connection with ourselves? Because if I am saying, I need to know myself and love myself. What is my near enemy in those
2: things? Yeah. Wildly, wildly still control. Makes sense to me. But what we do is we try to control the environment rather than understand our response to the environment and what's happening within. Mm. You know, and so we try to control just speaking from an addictions lens, like I, instead of feeling my feelings, processing them and working through them, I try to numb them. I try to control what I'm feeling through, you know, for many years, alcohol, food, uh, work. I mean, I have the poo-poo platter of all addictions, so just pick one. I'll swirl around (laughs) to it. Um, Yeah. Um, But so I think it is still control, but what we're trying to do, and I think one of the things that is so hard for me is what keeps me the most from being deeply connected with myself is trying to control the environment around me. Oh, oh, Right. yeah. What does that, look, trying like? To, what does that trying look like? And trying to control perception. Like, so I so I'm trying to control perception when I don't tell Steve, like if this is how a conversation between Steve and I will go, trying to control this is me trying to control, hey, are you gonna keep on napping much longer, or what's the plan? So he's pissed already he this is it um <laughs> no, it's just like I mean, one of us needs to care about what the house is like when Charlie and his friends get here. Mm-hmm. um so now what will happen. Which is really hard for me is I'll say, hey, it looks like you're getting ready to take a nap, which is which is great. I want to just say that I'm anxious. I have some anxiety about Charlie's friends coming over, and I want to do some level setting of expectations about getting the house ready. So, like pie in the sky, we would repaint the downstairs and landscape before four o'clock. Um, <laughs>
1: he wants to sit on the freaking couch
2: (laughs) right exactly and i said so i i know i i I just like i really want him to have friends over more so i want it to like be perfect i want to be the cool house um and i so i know that i'm a little bit i i'm kind of i'm i'm high strung about it right now so i just want to talk to you and he uh, and he's like well We're not going to landscape and paint. Right. And I said, no, but I'm just telling you where that's where I am right now. So anything down from that already feels like I'm giving in. Um, And he's like, okay, so they're going to come over and play pickleball and then they're going to play video games. So why don't I blow the court and do that? You get the media room ready. And um, do do we have groceries and snacks and stuff? And I said, no, I haven't picked those up. And he's like, okay, I'm a nap for 30 minutes. I'll go pick those up and blow the court and you take upstairs. And how does that feel for you? I said, that feels good. Okay, that's helpful. Thanks. Mm-hmm. But it's good. that requires a level of self-exploration and interrogation before I engage with him. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really thinking about what's going on with me before I jump all over his shit. And so again, why what am I trying to control and what am I really after?
0: It's interesting when you said the way you'd present it to Steve is you also Mm -hmm. said, I really want him to have more friends over here. Yeah. The self-exploration before you go in is why do I care so much? Yes. Yes.
1: Right? Yes.
0: I care so much because it's not just because I'm a crazy mom who wants the house clean. The most vulnerable spot of that is I just really want him to have more friends over at our yes.
2: house. It's so yes. sweet. Yes. And that's, don't we want to be the fun house? Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yes. You know, and we want to do all that. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, and, you know, tr- and he's dating a girl, I'm like, give You know, let's talk about, you know, and he's like, no, I don't think so. But, but, you know, I'm here, right? Yeah. I'm (laughs) super clear that you're (laughs) right here, right here. And I'm like, and that I'm really good at this. You know, I'm super clear on all that. Oh, what
1: a treat. What a gift he's giving you to work on some of this stuff internally before you, before you burst, (laughs) you know, (laughs) over.
2: You know, like, the, I am going to burst. I, I need to shine, people. Yeah, it's so good. I get it. Listen, Lightning I, in a
1: bottle. I Lightning played in a, a bottle for 30 years because I needed to shine. I get it. Brene,
0: Atlas yeah. of the Heart is absolutely beautiful. It's and wonderful. I know you're feeling vulnerable, but you should oh. know. You should know yeah. that the world is going to love it. It's going to help they do it's already. Gonna help people. We're all trapped inside of our skin and we have all of these emotions that we don't know how to label and understand. And if we can't label them and understand, we can't put them into language. And if we can't put That's them right. into language, we can't connect with other human beings. And this series is going to help people do that. So thank you for you and your work and your being brave. Oh, thank so you, you um, really
3: shine in it. You shine. You really shine. You
2: shine. You oh, shine. she's just crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then I just want to be under the bushel. Right. Yeah. 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 Thank y'all very much, and thank y'all for this podcast. You make him watch you shine. <laughs> yes. On that show. <laughs> I, oh I, no. Oh no. 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 Uh. Uh-uh. He's like on HBO publicly. I'm like, I think that's hard. I mean, I have to ask yeah. just for a minute. Do you, I think that's hard. Like, I think that's hard.
0: Oh, we have mm-hmm. a one child who is so private
2: mm-hmm. that.
0: Won't we go to an event? He'll every once in a while come to an event, but he'll go around the back. He doesn't want anything to do with anything
1: no postings, no Nothing pictures, public. Yeah.
0: And then, Brene, we have another child who, when she went to the national team game without Abby once, we saw her on the effing television holding <laughs> up a poster that said, I am Abby Wombach's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> We on the TV we saw it for the first time, <laughs>
1: it was really so that cute. she could
0: get airtime, <laughs> which she did. So we have oh. different, different philosophies, levels. Different, wow. philosophies different, different levels, philosophies. different people.
1: It's amazing how they're different people. Mm-hmm. They are just different so people cool. that need different things. Yeah. yeah, and
0: you've done a beautiful job of honoring your children's Privacy. versus just respecting yeah. their lives, their little lives and you do you're a good it's example
2: hard. of that mm-hmm. it is hard mm-hmm. i just had this question because i think it's an interesting question that i haven't started to figure out yet but do you think underneath all of the addiction stuff that we can also find this near enemy of connection and control
0: mhm yeah when you said controlling and numbing and controlling our environment um that's you know, the one thing that our, one of our wise children said that they would change about me. We are playing this damn game where they tell the truth. <laughs> oh, geez. And one of the kids said, I think you'd be happier if you didn't have to control every single environment you step into to not bump up against your anxiety. Um, and if I just felt okay with who I was, if more of what is about being human was normalized for me younger. I feel like maybe I wouldn't have always felt like I had to control my humanness through booze, food, whatever. Or, because I control my own internal experience through substances, mm-hmm.
1: right? Or experience, yeah.
0: And I control yeah. my outward experience through hypervigilance. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, oof. Okay.
0: So, yes. I think how the hell do I ever know who I am if all I'm trying to do is escape it constantly every time it comes up? So, control in my life would be absolutely the enemy of self-connection. It's
1: really interesting though with the, with addiction, structure is something that we talk about as something that liberates us and how So oh, same. Like, it's like a fine line between control and, control and structure. It's like, actually, it's this thing, this vehicle that allows me to maintain my sobriety, my peace. But it's also the very thing that sometimes compromises it mm-hmm. if you get too yes. structured or too controlled. Yes. It's frustrating.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, yes, I do think ritual and structure and discipline will set you free. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's 100%. And then that's a slippery slope that's for right. me. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had an early sponsor tell me one time, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Yeah. And so I started thinking about, wow, the application of this far enemy thing around control is, yeah, I have to think about it more.
0: But I also think a near enemy of self-connection is productivity. I think... That living in the culture we are in, we have to constantly disconnect from our needs, from our emotion, so that we can produce the next thing we're supposed to produce, so that we can be part of a cog, so that we can keep going. I think if I were to honor who I am on a more regular basis, I would get a lot less done Mm. in terms of work. Mm. So, oh God, yes. Right? So, yes, productivity in some way. I don't know if that's the right word, but this constant need to do the next thing. But isn't that a byproduct?
3: Isn't it all control? And productivity is one of the inevitable byproducts of control in a culture where you think that you're. Worthiness and lovability yes. is connected to that outcome. So you're trying to control perception, the perception of yes. you yeah. and your worthiness of love and place in the world by being productive. The same That's way right. you're controlling, like, you know, it's good. eating disorders or thinness or whatever is just a byproduct of trying to control your understanding of yourself as worthy of love and therefore you look like this. Like it's all just stemming from the same tree, isn't
2: it? I think it's just one more substance. Productivity, Mm -hmm. exhaustion as self-worth, productivity as, yeah, I think it's, yes, I think that's right. That's good.
1: Here's an honest question for you with what I think is a pretty easy answer. When it comes to grocery shopping, Would you rather wander the aisles of a store aimlessly looking up and down your self-made list or would you rather take a fun quiz about your individual goals and preferences and have a personalized cart built for you? Not to mention all the recipe recommendations and home delivery that come with it. If the latter option sounds more attractive, which I think it should, it for sure does for me, then you'll want to check out. Hungry Root. I loved the creamy chicken and bell pepper alfredo that I tried. It was so yummy. And the added bonus of doing all my shopping from home made it all the better. Right now, Hungry Root is offering We Can Do Hard Things listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to hungryrootcom things to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. For life, that's HungryRoot.com slash hard things. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you.
0: So in order to self-connect, what's, I mean, I have this be still thing on me, which I always just feel like for me, self-connection comes most consistently when I force myself and it's weird because stillness for me sometimes requires movement. Like I go for walks. Yeah. Walks is my self-connection time for sure. Yeah. But for you, what is your practice or what are you doing when you feel the most
2: self-connected? Walking probably. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I use I still use from early work of yours, I still use stay on the mat. And I don't mean that as like, you know, At first I was like, yeah, stay on the mat, like wrestle this fucker down till they're dead. Like, that's what I thought, you know, but then I was like, I don't think that's what she means. Um, I, I think it means like even just stay on the mat, stay with the emotion. I mean, I think in the end it all comes down to, I think this is where our work intersects like inextricably connected in some ways is the need to tap out of discomfort and pain. As opposed to feel our way through it is probably at the root of everything, and that's addiction. Yeah, and so that's when I say stay on the mat to myself. I, it's almost like preparing for that talk about the nap and Charlie's friends coming over. I'll just be like, okay, you know what. The f- why is fucking napping and haven't even probably thought about this? And like, I don't need a helper. I need someone that, to help me put the list together, not work mm-hmm. off the list. Like yeah, that whole thing. Amanda's doing though. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that whole thing. Um, and then I'm just like, stay on the mat. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this, okay. 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 I want this to be a comfortable, fun place for Charlie to bring his friends. Mm-hmm. Which means A less time cleaning and B probably less time me trying to manage his friends once they get here. Oh, mm. Aww, but that's sad. Boo. Yeah, <laughs> <Ew. that's... laughs> Boo. Cause I'm like, Hey, Johnny to fourth for doubles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for <laughs> yeah, <pickleball. laughs> yeah. Charlie's, Charlie's like, uh, yeah. I just want to be right in the middle of it all. And that's so yeah, the now. opposite.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
3: Stay on the mat. I just had a thought because we recorded a sister's podcast that's coming out soon. And you were talking about your digging deep as just like a core religiosity Mm -hmm. value of yours. So I wonder if the final frontier of all of this work, you know, the very final step is distinguishing between what is staying on the mat and staying with your pain versus what is digging deep where you should stop digging Mm -hmm. because Mm. all the pains are not equal. Mm -hmm. You know, like the pain of staying on your mat is valuable to you because it, it helps you connect to who you are digging deep through the
2: pain. Abandons yourself.
3: Disconnects you from who you are.
2: I think you hit on one of the biggest things that's come up in all the research we've done over the last 10 years is Carl Jung said, the paradox is the closest thing to being able to define what it means to be human. It's the greatest spiritual gift to humanity is the paradox. So I do think exactly what you're saying is true. To be able to straddle the tension of staying on the mat And not digging deep beyond human scale to understanding structural and structure and discipline and straddling that with the dangers of control, Mm -hmm. you know, of, so I think these paradoxes are what it means to be human and being able to straddle those tensions of those and know just to hold the tension, Mm -hmm. Of those things, I think what it is, what it means to be in Jungian terms, a fully integrated human being, mm. you know? And I think that's what we're, integration is what our life work is about. Will you help us
0: and the whole world with their life's work?
1: 100%. And we're very
0: grateful Well, I feel the you. same
2: way. I feel mm-hmm. exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. Have y'all read Wolfpack?
0: <laughs> I have not. <laughs> I have not, but we have a few copies around the house. So I'll pick one yeah, up. Yeah,
2: no, you, you Finally. need to. Yeah, yes. you need to. Point Thank and run, you. baby. Point and run. Thanks. And and I do, I will say that every now and then we get questions that come in that say, I'm very surprised how you and Glennon or when Liz has a book come out or Yaba Blay, Tarana, like there's a group of y'all that even if you have like similar launch dates, you're like, go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's another part about... Pointing and leading. Mm-hmm. I mean, pointing and running. Pointing and, yeah, running. Pointing pointing and, pointing and running. I had to do it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. here's what's
1: beautiful yeah. about it. You know how much time we spend stressing about somebody else's success or somebody else's situation. Yes. It's like actually, let's just do it. Let's just all do together. it all. Ugh. And like that's abundance. That's something that people can wrap their minds around and their totally. hearts around and mm-hmm. like dot like dive deep into it. Where mm-hmm. like when you're we're full of like rage or jealousy or envy. That's a, that's a stop sign. It's like, no, don't do that. Point and run. God, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Renee. I love, love it. You. You're the best. We love yeah. you. Go do um, all the things.
0: Y'all. We're going to be yelling about Atlas of the heart from the rooftops. Cause we believe in it and we believe in you and we are grateful for you. Thank you. And the rest of you, we will see you next time on We Can Do Hard Things. We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. I know I've been there before, and I feel like I'm always expected to know everything despite having all of these questions. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, good news. Now, all that info is in one place on homes.com.